0: rejoice in the lord always again i will say rejoice these are the prison epistles when i was in bible college uh, i was an ra and we had a a guy on our floor who uh, one semester in particular he just wouldn't go to class Uh, he would stay in his room and play guitar all day and so we had to confront him on it and uh, his response was i'm going to be a worship pastor so i don't need to go to class uh, which I just thought was this crazy thing that he would say. Uh, he obviously didn't understand what he was wanting to do with the role, or uh, but it was just it was crazy that he was actually paying for these classes that he was not going to. Um, and really, with post-secondary education, Bible college in particular, um, you really get out of it what you put into it. Uh, I've, I've you know I've I've, I've seen. Lots of people who they just show up just because they want to get through it. They want a passing grade. They want uh, the degree or the diploma, whatever it is, and just to do the bare minimum to get there. But, But really when it comes to school, you get out of it what you put into it. And I think there's a principle there for our faith as well. That there's an element of, of we get out of it. That There's a depthness, a depth that comes based on, on what we're willing to invest. And uh, I think James says that really clearly when he says, um, draw near to God and He will draw near to you, right? There's this, there's this process of, of how deep do we want to go? How much life, how much fullness do we want to experience in Jesus? Um, and, and God has kind of given us that choice. And, and that makes sense when we realize that uh, our faith is, is rooted in relationships. And there are relationships in your life, if you invest time and energy and thought and care, uh, if you invest in those relationships, they become rich and meaningful relationships in your life. Uh, But if you don't invest time or or care or concern or or any thought at all, then those relationships really quickly dry up and and kind of just become stagnant and in some ways meaningless. Um, I think God has given us that impetus of what do you want In this relationship? How much life, how much fullness do you want? Um, This week we've been talking about Paul's call on the Ephesian church, coming out of uh, who they are in Christ, to now how to respond to that. And and Paul's Paul's pleading for them is that they would walk in in unity, uh, in maturity, and here we're going to see that Paul calls them to walk in fullness. And we hear that as well from Jesus. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And that fullness actually, though, comes as we journey with Jesus, as we abide in Him. The fruit grows when we actually intentionally abide and rest and remain in Him. So uh, we grab the text here, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Paul starts again, this text again, as he often does by saying God did it. God goes first, that it's grace first, and we respond to the grace that God has given us. That it's not by the works that we've done, but it's by the grace of God. Only let us live up to that which God has already given us but and so so he prefaces that he says listen God goes first let's 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 embrace the grace and then he says but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints uh, that that word sexual immorality uh, in the Greek that's a the term is pornea it's a junk drawer term meaning it holds pretty much everything and uh, God's original intention for human sexuality is: is a man and a woman leave their father and their mother, and they become one flesh together for life. That's the 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 original created intent, and and Paul uses this term "porneia" or sexual immorality, which is anything outside of that. Uh, and so then there's no loopholes. There's there's no well he didn't say this, and and we came up with this new thing that Paul didn't didn't forbid. Uh, there's one right standard and everything outside of it is sexual immorality. Uh, sexual immorality and covetousness as well. He also says this, this, this yearning, this, this constant need for more. And so if you ever think uh, the Bible was written you know, thousands of years ago and, and doesn't apply to us today, here Paul is talking about uh, sexual immorality and, and greed, uh, which if there's any two issues still present in our life today, it's these two. It's so very relevant to us. And so um, he says these shouldn't even be named, that that, that we need to set these things aside. They shouldn't be part of our lives. Verse 4 let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Um, So he's sort of picking up again the same themes he talked about uh, yesterday when we talked about this maturity. Uh, that we need to remove this selfishness. He talks about speech as well, too, about building others up instead of tearing them down. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Um, A rather harsh call here um, that, that... Paul, again, starts with, hey, it's it's about grace. Grace goes first. But he says there is an expectation that holiness will follow grace, that our lives will begin to transform into the life of Jesus, and if they don't, there's an issue. Um, And I think it's a challenge for us as well where he says, don't listen to these others who want to deceive you with empty words. I think we'll always be able to find someone who will excuse the behavior we want to get away with. We're always going to be able to find someone who who will say it's okay. Um, Paul is calling us to root our behavior in the text and not in our own personal opinions, not in our own ideas, not in our own preferences, or in what's culturally acceptable, um, but to root it in Jesus himself. For at one time you were darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, "Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." I had a prof in college. Uh, if uh, if a student fell asleep in class, he would just sort of he would shoot them with a Nerf gun, actually, and then say, "Hey, I want you to read Ephesians 5:14." And so they would dozily sort of open their Bible up and crack it up, trying to get their eyes open, and and then read, "Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead." Um, Paul is talking about darkness and light, about living in darkness. And, and even, I think, pressing on us, it's not just what can we get away with? What will God allow us to do? What can, what can I do and still be saved? Instead, he says, focus on what is pleasing to the Lord. It's, it's a bit of a different shift and about not living sort of in, in this shame, not having to hide certain behaviors, right? Like you do in the darkness, uh, but rather being okay, living fully exposed in the light. There's, there's nothing to hide. My behavior, my conduct, my life, what I'm trying to do is pleasing to the Lord. I, f- I live fully in the light. There is no darkness. There is no shame. There is no guilt. Paul is calling us to live in that way, to wake up. To live in the light. Look carefully then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. There was uh, a memory verse from last month, and that was it uh, for our kids ministry. Making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. Here he's talking about resisting the the pull. Uh, of mind-altering and and numbing substances. Um, And so I think it's applicable as well to uh, the area we live I mean, when it comes to pot, when it comes to alcohol, um, he's saying avoid the the mind-numbingness, but instead of trying to be filled with that artificial uh, spirit, he says, be filled with the Spirit of God. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, What I see here is Paul calling on the church to walk in fullness. Not to compromise, not to settle, not to look like the world, not to try and accept salvation but still live in darkness, still live in shame, still live in a way that is opposed to what God is calling us to. He says, no, live in freedom, in the fullness of what God has for us. And and I think it kind of comes down as well to this choice that God has given us of, of what kind of depth do we want in our faith? What kind of authenticity and freedom do we want in that relationship? What do we want from that? Um, I had a student um, who who was uh, I was discipling for a while, and things were going okay, and God was turning her life around. But but it's been really heartbreaking to follow her the last few years on, on social media and see that she's kind of abandoned her faith. She's kind of abandoned what I knew to be true about her and, and pursued these very different things. And she's got a couple of different kids with a couple of different dads. And um, it's it's amazing to see though. the the, the rants that she'll get into, the brokenness and, and, and the hurt and the rejection that she feels, the loneliness and the despair. And it's like there isn't, she doesn't see the correlation which is really heartbreaking to me of, 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 of abandoning what God had called her to in holiness of pursuing Him, of, of living in the light. And it was like she felt like God was trying to withhold from her. He was holding back. God was depriving me of something. And so she rejected Him and ran into all these other hedonistic things, which perhaps in the moment she thought they were great. But now she finds herself in this broken, lonely place where now she's got a couple of kids in her early 20s. She's unmarried, unemployed, and she feels bitter and sad and she's despairing of life. And and there's still absolutely hope and redemption in that. But I think there's this direct correlation between the choices she's made and the fullness of life that she's experiencing. And so when God is calling us into these things, like into this list of of avoiding sexual immorality of any kind and, and watching our speech and not trying to numb ourselves... He's not trying to deprive us. Instead, it comes back to what Jesus said where He wants us to have fullness of life and it's going to look different than the world. And, and, and that, that's going to be difficult for us sometimes to really grasp, but but the fullness of life that God is calling us to is going to look different than the world and the world won't understand it. When we look at the brokenness and the despair and the suicide and the substance abuse in the world and, and this, this this treadmill of sort of pursuing more and more and more only to find more and more hopelessness and desperation while also championing to the church saying, you have no idea what you're talking about, you're missing the boat, you're depriving yourself. All these things, God says, no, listen, life, fullness of life is found in obedience. And, and at first that might not make sense. Obedience is really difficult, especially in the beginning. But, but Jesus says, do you trust me? Paul says that God wants us to experience the fullness of life and in unity, in maturity, and in obedience, the fullness of life. Are you willing to trust Him? Or, or will you continue to try and compromise and, and, and sort of do what you need to do perhaps on a Sunday while well, living as your own Lord the rest of the week? And then feeling feeling like there's a hollowness and an emptiness to life. Are we willing to trust God fully in obedience that He has fullness of life for us even if some of the things He's calling us to maybe makes no sense? Are we willing to trust Him that He has the fullness of life for us? Let's pray. Father, help us to... Uh, to slow down, to slow down, to bow our knee to You and to trust You, to surrender these things that we need to surrender to You. God, that we would walk in unity, that we we would shed off the sin that inhibits us from maturity, and that we would walk in the light not feeling like there are things we need to slink in the shadows, but rather embracing the call that you have on our life, walking fully in obedience. And God, we pray that we would experience the fullness of life that you have for us. Life here, now, and forever. Give us that kind of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope you have a great weekend. Talk to you soon.